All right, what's up, guys? Today is, what's today? February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2018. This is the Daily Bitcoin Recap with Kyle Torpy. Uh, kind of a slow news day overall today, so hopefully the chat can help me out with some topics to uh, discuss. Um, but yeah, let's get right into... The top story, which is South Korea downplaying the idea that they'll eventually uh, ban cryptocurrency exchanges. Um, you know, back in uh, late uh, last year, the big concern was that South Korea was going to ban exchanges. Um, and then once it came out that they were, you know, considering this action, obviously there, there's a, uh, a big uh, public outcry against it. Um there's a petition on the president's website with like, I think it was like 200,000 signatures. I don't remember the exact number, but it was a lot. So basically once they, they saw this, uh, you know, public outcry uh, against uh, a potential ban on exchanges, they, uh, they're they changing their tune a bit. Uh, this is from Bloomberg. It says South Korea's government gave the strongest signal yet that they will allow cryptocurrency exchanges to keep operating in the country. Welcome development for traders who had feared an outright ban in one of the world's biggest markets for digital assets. Policymakers will focus on making cryptocurrency trading transparent rather than outlawing it altogether. Uh, obviously, this is related to their real name policy. They want to attach real names to the people who are trading on exchanges. Um, it was the government's first coordinated response to the public uproar over a justice ministry proposal in December to shut digital ex asset exchanges down. Um, so yeah, they never actually had a clear plan to, um, you know, ban exchanges completely. It was just something they were uh, considering at the time. Uh, and yeah, that 200,000 number is correct. Cause it's later in this, uh, uh, story here, but, um, this, this kind of goes to uh, another point I was thinking about today where, you know, this, this seems to be the kind of stronger regulation, uh, at least in developed countries that we're going to see against Bitcoin and other crypto assets. They're just going to try to clamp down very hard on exchanges, uh, any kind of, any kind of like custodial account where people are moving money. Uh, they, they want to make sure everyone is following KYC and AML regulations all around the world. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the basic idea behind the regulations that, uh, France and Germany are going to jointly, uh, propose, at the upcoming G20 summit in Argentina, which is next month. Um, so yeah, this uh, this is uh, you know good news if you're if you're a trader uh, long term. I don't know if it really matters that much because uh, the usefulness of Bitcoin uh, comes from when it's not on these sort of centralized platforms that are going to be highly regulated eventually. Um, but obviously, I guess, uh, you know, over the short term, good for the price, probably. As, uh, you know, the price tends to go down whenever there's like this big, uh, you know, threat that um, Bitcoin exchanges are going to be banned. Um, obviously, we've seen it a lot in uh, China over the years, but, uh, you know, the, the impact on the price has become a lot weaker over the past uh you know, a few years, the, the market's kind of getting resistant to these sort of uh, threats of a ban. 
Uh, the, the next story I want to talk about is actually from uh, David Vexler of uh, Liberty.me, uh, which is Jeffrey Tucker's website, if I remember correctly. It's kind of a big thing in the Bitcoin community uh, a few years ago when it launched. I haven't really kept up with it much. Uh, but he's got an interesting post here where he talks about how Bitcoin is still the most in innovative crypto asset on the market. Uh, and this is kind of a, a topic I've, I've been thinking about the past you know, couple of weeks. Uh, so I'm glad he wrote this piece that kind of explained. Um, well, here, I'll just uh, read off some of his key points here. He has two main reasons that he disagrees that you know Bitcoin will be left in the dust and overtaken by some altcoin. Uh, and the first point that he makes is that just because, uh, I mean, obviously Ethereum is the one that comes up the most when it comes like uh, some coin that's going to like overtake Bitcoin and everyone better buy Ether because it's going to be, uh, it's going to overtake Bitcoin and the price is going to go way up and all that kind of stuff. Sorry, I was taking a drink of water there. Uh, but the main uh, issue here is that, you know, the, the main selling point of Ethereum is always that like it has all these extra use cases that are, you know, it's so much more useful than Bitcoin. Uh, but the point that, uh, uh, David makes here in his article is that just because these other use cases exist don't mean they're they're inherently useful. Uh, I mean, we're seeing things like CryptoKitties and uh, ICOs being launched in Ethereum. But, it, you know, it's un unclear if this is all just like hype around, you know, the Ethereum as the Ether asset itself. Um, you know, is this something that's actually useful? Would would these sort of things be better off on like a private blockchain? Uh, I've sort of thought that a lot in terms of ICOs, just because it seems like they're securities anyway, as um, the SEC chairman, Jay Clayton, recently said. He said he hasn't seen an ICO that isn't a security. Um, so maybe, maybe those would be better suited on like a private blockchain because um, there's not really any point to putting them on a decentralized ledger if, you know, they're, um, you know, they're, they're, they're legal anyways. It's not like, um, it's not like they, they need the censorship resistant nature of a, of a public blockchain really. Um, and he, and, uh, David talks about how currency is more universal than, is a more universal need than smart contracts, um, uh, and a point that I've made with the uh, Ethereum for the longest time, I mean, obviously now there's RSK, so Bitcoin will have its own uh, sort of Ethereum. Um, so even if it is useful, you know, Bitcoin has it too. Um, but it's unclear if, you know, this sort of Turing complete, uh, more expressive scripting language is even that valuable because, you know, we've seen so many hacks and people can't really make secure smart contracts. Even, you know, Gavin Wood's parody company couldn't, uh, you know, write a secure multi-sig smart contract and, you know, Gavin was one of the architects of that language itself. So a lot of issues there. Um, but back to the point I was going to make, one of the, when I first found out about Ethereum, I was still kind of open to the idea of like altcoins and appcoins around the time it uh, was first announced, the initial paper by Vitalik. But I always thought like it, if it was more of an appcoin, you know, people would still hold value in Bitcoin and then if there was any use of Ethereum, they would just, you know, transfer their Bitcoin to Ether 
and then whoever was receiving the ether would uh, you know transfer it to Bitcoin right afterwards because Bitcoin is a much uh, more stable and widely held store of value. So it's uh, in that regard, ether is still competing against Bitcoin as a store of value. Um, but I, I have been surprised at the uh, you know the market cap ether has been able to achieve. Um, but we'll have to see, you know, if that continues. I think there is a lot of, uh, you know, froth in the market as we've seen over the past few months, especially. Although now we've seen the price decline, obviously. So we'll see if the, you know, the correction is over. Um, yeah, another what was this other key point I wanted to point out here. I actually tweeted out. A quote from this article. Oh, yes, this is a point. It says, uh, Bitcoin Core's work in implementing fast and stable large-scale networks with SegWit and Lightning Network is more important than the latest exotic coin or exotic token, it says. Uh, this is a key point, I think, when it comes to, you know, uh, co-founders of Coinbase like to say Ethereum is, like, more scalable today just because it has, like, the ability to, you know, mine larger blocks, uh, and obviously, the, if the blocks get too large, the system's way too centralized. You know, there's problems with Ethereum in terms of, you know, archival nodes. Not many people are running them because, you know, the resources required to uh, run an archival node is, are, is becoming way too much. But in terms of, you know, scaling, it seems pretty clear that layer two solutions like Lightning, which Ethereum has like their own, you know, proposals for that too. That's really where... Um, you know, the scalability, scalability issue matters the most. That's where the innovation is happening right now on these layer two networks, whether it be Lightning Network or Drive Chains or anything else. So even when it comes to like innovation, Bitcoin is still on like the cutting edge. And I mean, we're seeing Lightning Network on Bitcoin's mainnet right now. Obviously, it's still very much in the alpha phase. Uh, but in that, in that regard, it's like still, you know, as, as far ahead or if not further ahead than any other uh, blockchain in existence. Uh, so I thought this was a good piece from uh, David Vexler. I haven't read anything by him before, but I saw this one on, it was trending on Reddit. So I read it and uh, gave him a follow on Twitter and everything. Uh, there was also a lightning ramp alpha demo posted on Reddit yesterday, uh, or posted on YouTube, and then someone put it on Reddit. Um, this is a new third-party application that will allow Coinbase users to connect to the Lightning Network more easily. So they basically hold funds on, on behalf of you on both Lightning Network and Coinbase. And then you can, you know, if you want to pay someone on the Lightning Network and you have a Coinbase account, you can do so at a, you know, not much added cost. This might be a way for Coinbase users to use the Lightning Network early on. And then we'll eventually see, uh, you know, Coinbase obviously will probably eventually integrate the Lightning Network on their on their own platform. I mean, they do have a Lightning Network developer working for them uh, right now. Or they're paying someone to work on Lightning, which is a great move by them. Uh, and this, uh, this third-party application, Lightning Ramp, is also trying to reach out to other exchanges to be as a sort of, uh, you know, on-ramp from the exchanges to the Lightning Network for, uh, for everyone. Uh, yeah, you can check out their uh, alpha demo to see how it works. Um, uh, pretty cool. I'm, I, I mean, I know um, 
you know, some of the exchanges are already working this on themselves too. So I don't know how successful this particular application will be, uh, but it's good to see, you know, these sorts of layer two apps in development and uh, wish them the best of luck with this, uh, with this uh, bridge between, you know, centralized exchanges and the lightning network. Uh, and I recommend uh, watching the, the alpha demo. Uh, I don't think it would make too much sense to, you know, play it right now on the stream. Uh, next, we have a report that was originally in the Financial Times, uh, but it was behind a paywall. So I uh, put Bitcoinist, uh, you know, version of the story in the newsletter. Um, it, basically, the main point of the story is that you know, you know, some of the larger banks in uh, Europe are turning away from Bitcoin because it's too risky. Uh, smaller banks are looking at it as an opportunity because you know, if the, if the bigger banks aren't going to offer Bitcoin and uh, crypto asset related services to their clients, um, you know, it kind of opens the opportunity for them. This is, this is kind of a general, general way business works. Um, I mean, the, the smaller companies are always more nimble, more flexible, willing to take more risks because that's the only way they can compete with the, uh, you know, large incumbents. Uh, so this shouldn't be really be too much of a surprise. Uh, but I thought it was like a, you know, a point uh, worth making that, uh, you know, just because large banks might not let their customers deal with Bitcoin or offer Bitcoin related services, you know, there's going to be smaller banks uh, that do uh, allow their clients to do that. And obviously, you know, all the exchanges around the world are able to find banks that are willing to work with them. Um, I do want to mention uh, this this guy uh, Joseph Young, who I uh, you know I kind of pointed out that he wrote for BitConnect, which was a Ponzi scheme, uh, and he's been accused of plagiarism a few times over the year, uh, including by myself. And I, I kind of noticed him getting more attention, so I just kind of started you know responding to his tweets and then uh, you know pointing out these these things that he's done in the past. Uh, and then he blocked me out of nowhere, so I decided to, you know, bring that up, um, and you know, point out that these, uh, the, his working with BitConnect, and uh, you know, he's been called out for plagiarism multiple times, uh, from back when he was a writer at NewsBTC till you know more recently when he's just, you know, taking other people's tweets or things on Reddit and like tweeting it out as his own ideas. Um, but yeah, I didn't really want to like do this, but I just saw him, you know, getting attention from other people I follow. So I just thought it was, you know, important. And really, I just think, you know, jacking other people's ideas and treating them as your own, uh, that sort of plagiarism, plagiarism stuff is just really douchey. So I just felt like calling him out on it. Um, you know, I don't think there's really anything else to add there. Um, let's see how, how am I doing on time here? I'm at like 15 minutes. Um, yeah, if, I guess go ahead and start putting, uh, you know, questions in the chat. I see there's stuff already in there so I can, you know, start doing that. Let me see if there's anything, um, left in the newsletter that I wanted to cover. Oh yeah. There, the CFTC, there was a hearing. Uh, today, where they voted to create a subcommittee on virtual currencies, 
Um, I'm, I'm going to write up a full article on that for Bitcoin Magazine. Should be published in the morning. Um, but you know, there's a few people, uh, you know, on the panel that they brought in Jerry Brito from Coin Center and uh, uh, who else? Uh, one of the guys from Cumberland Mining. I think the LedgerX, one of the LedgerX guys, and some of the Futures guys on other platforms were there too. Uh, so more on that tomorrow, but the main point is that CFTC is uh, creating a subcommittee on virtual currencies. I just see this piece in a Business Insider where uh, they talked to some attorney. Uh, it says, UK law firm Royds Withy King is working on three divorce cases involving cryptocurrencies. And I know Tone Vase, he had this article of a few years ago on Liberty, his blog, Liberty Life Trail, where he talked about like the main use cases of Bitcoin. And one of the things he pointed out was that like people might start using Bitcoin and other crypto assets to hide funds from their spouses. So um, I think it would be hard to prove, you know, as long as you're using Bitcoin correctly, that, uh, you know, how much Bitcoin you hold. Uh, so it might still be in a, an effective mechanism for doing that. Um, and it's kind of the same as uh, avoiding taxes in that way. Um, so yeah, kind of an interesting story to kind of illustrate the point that Tone's made in the past. Uh, Coindesk, Coindesk had a nice guide that you should check out if you're interested in trying out the Lightning Network, whether on testnet or mainnet. Obviously on mainnet, it's a uh, you know much riskier endeavor. Uh, because you're putting your funds at risk on alpha technology. So it might not be worth it if you don't really know what you're doing. Um, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll just go to questions now. So hopefully you guys have some stuff to ask here. Ann Holloman says cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin could drop to zero, says Ripple CEO. Uh, I did see that article, but... Um, I didn't really think the Ripple CEO's, uh, you know, thoughts on cryptocurrency in general are really that useful. I mean, XRP is pretty much a useless token. Uh, if you want to know why, watch uh, Peter Todd and Tone Vase on Crypto Scam, or read that re recent uh, Bitmax report. Um, but yeah, I saw that. I just didn't include it in the newsletter. I didn't think it was a noteworthy thing. See if there's anything else. Yeah, Ann points out that he's promoting Ripple as a better solution. I mean, Ripple might have good technology for, you know, banks. That's fine and everything, but just the XRP pumping that comes with everything is kind of uh, scammy. I mean, I even saw something about them working with Western Union. Uh, and the comment from the Ripple side was like, we're excited that maybe they'll try to use XRP or something like that. And it's just like, you got to... The pumping of XRP is just getting out of hand by uh, uh, the Ripple people. Ethereum data courier says Ethereum has huge inflation and it's not decentralized. Wouldn't say it's a store of value. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with that. I don't think they even have a set monetary policy, really. It's something that's supposed to be um, decided in the future when they supposedly move to proof of stake. So I think... Um, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it's not really a store of value if you don't know what the 
monetary policy is going to be in the future, especially when it's as centralized as, as it still is today. Not saying it couldn't become more uh, decentralized over time. Um, let's see what else we have here. Data Courier says the thing with innovative alts is that their cool features are easy to replicate on a chain that has better hygiene. Yeah, it, I was actually watching a presentation that Paul Stortz put together recently on Drive Change, Drive Chains last night. Uh, I think he put it on his YouTube like a week ago. I recommend anyone interested in side chains or drive chains to check it out because he kind of goes through like all the FUD uh, and everything around drive chains and why they're more secure than people think and you know the, how they offer opt-in um, solutions to you know bring. I mean, RSK is bringing Ethereum to Bitcoin via a drive chain slash uh, federated peg which will eventually be a full drive chain, if I recall correctly. But yeah, pretty much any altcoin feature could be brought uh, forward via drive chain. Um, it's a project I very much support and want to see you know, gain more attention. Obviously, it's based, I mean, side chains as an idea have been around for a while now. Let's see what else we have. Tracy Hunter says, the summer ICO frenzy diminished my love for ERC-20 tokens. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, there was a lot of tokens. It was just like a cash grab, basically, where you could take any idea with a white paper and launch a token really quickly. I remember Bram Cohen, the guy who created BitTorrent, made a good point where he said, you know, the reason we're seeing so many tokens now because before when you were making like altcoins and app coins, you actually had to make your own blockchain. But with these ERC-20 tokens built on top of Ethereum, you know, you can launch a project. You don't even need to know how to make a blockchain uh, because, you know, Ethereum takes care of all the work for you. So that's kind of why we saw so many, you know, just the explosion in the number of new tokens being created. Um Data Curry says, do you have evidence? That would be nice to see. I think you're talking about uh, stuff with Joseph. Um, the BitConnect stuff, you can just Google his name in BitConnect and it comes up. Uh, the plagiarism stuff, I might have to put on Twitter just because I, I, I saw him like, um, you know, countering what I was saying or trying to say he wasn't doing what I was saying he was doing. Uh, so maybe I'll have to do the... Uh, you know, prove the plagiarism stuff too. He was trying to make some kind of argument to say he didn't know BitConnect was a Ponzi scheme or something. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm aware of conversations he's had with other people that he might not have known that I was aware of. Um, and also, you know, based on the plagiarism stuff, I'm not willing to take his word for it. Uh, Blender Mania says new people are always excited by altcoins with shiny names and features, but eventually they realize what real crypto is. Yeah, that's that's pretty true. They, I think a lot of people come in and they see Bitcoin and they see the price has already gone up so much uh, that they kind of want to believe that there's another Bitcoin because they want to see the gains that you know early Bitcoiners got. Um, 
but you know it's just kind of wishful thinking that's like that grit, get rich quick mentality you know when non-bitcoin people reach out to me when the price is going like skyrocketing high really quickly they usually ask me like like over the last month or i guess it was back in december uh, someone i hadn't talked to in a while was asking me if I, they, they should buy a ripple uh, instead of bitcoin because I saw that the price was so much lower, even though the market cap was actually really high, the individual Ripple tokens were still like a dollar or something. So yeah, they usually it's just like uh, FOMO for missing out on uh, how how high the Bitcoin price has gone. Um, Data Curry is asking about the drive chains video. Uh, if you go to Paul Sorts's YouTube channel, it should be the most recent one. Um, I think that's that'd be the best way to find it. Uh, he might have it on drivechain.info as well, which is a good site if you want to read more about drivechains. Um, but yeah, it is Valentine's Day, so I got to get out of here. I'm going to end this around 25 minutes. Uh, so thank you for watching, guys. And if you like the video and the SoundCloud, make sure to like the episodes. And subscribe on YouTube and SoundCloud. Um, and if you subscribe on YouTube, make sure to hit the bell next to the subscribe button uh, so you get a notification when I go live. I'm try I'll try to figure out a way to still notify people when I'm going live. For now, it's just going to be 4 p.m. Eastern time every day, usually. That's what I'm aiming for. Uh, and you can also get my articles, Twitter, newsletter, and all that stuff at kyletorpy.com or in the description of the video or SoundCloud. And thank you for uh, watching, guys. I will be back tomorrow. Take care.